Hey gearheads and welcome to Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. And each week this podcast will serve as a catalyst for discussion on all sorts of topics that grind our gears, rev our engines, or just need a bit more conversation. And this week there was a uh, a wedding of sorts that finally got finalized. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So we've brought it up in previous episodes, the merger of PSA Group, uh, Peugeot something or other, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it stands for. <laughs> and uh, FCA, uh, Fiat Chrysler Automotives, or Automobile. I don't, I don't know, and I don't guess it matters at this point because they cease to exist as of today, really. The Basically, recording of yeah. this is January 18th. You're listening to it much later uh, on Friday. But we now have a new company that we need to get used to saying when we're talking about some of our favorite brands. And that is Stellantis. Yeah. It just rolls right off the tongue, right? No, it really doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be a little careful um, because I've got some really good friends that work for now Stellantis, and I I don't want to step on any toes. I think it goes without saying most people wouldn't have come up with this name. Like FCA made sense because it was Fiat and Chrysler coming together. Right, right. Fiat Chrysler. Um. Stellantis. Uh, it's Latin. It's about the stars. You know, they're they're trying to be, you know, forward thinking. It's kind of cool-ish, I guess. But yeah. anyway, uh, what we are going to talk about today is the implications to you and I as car enthusiasts and to you, our listeners, and to the casual automotive I don't even want to say enthusiast, just buyer, I guess. What what does this mean for you as you go out and you're shopping for your next vehicle? Because there are a lot of implications that come from a merger of this size, or I, I guess it is a merger, but you're bringing two companies together. There are definite overlaps in, you know, facilities right. and vehicles offered. So you're going to see a lot of cost savings by trimming of the fat kind of a Uh, mentality yeah brands may disappear cars and models will definitely disappear oh yeah and so there's rumors abounding about what and when and how and will we see any new vehicles over here in america because the psa group currently sells nothing over here really of any substance and FCA did, does, so having this merger opens up the dealer network that is already in place. Just start plugging new brands in that have not been here for a while. Yeah. So our good friends, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I know nobody personally over there, but feel free to reach out to us. Over at Motor Trend, I put together a very comprehensive article of their feelings of what this means for the future of the automotive industry and specifically the brands that are Stellantis now. And so before we get into their article, I just wanted to do a quick rundown of all the brands that fall under Stellantis's... All the things. Yes. So... It's a mouthful. Yeah, they've got, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 brands 
of vehicles, and then it looks like two like mobility companies that we'll just leave off. So 15 brands, they are going to be a substantial threat and factor in the automotive world moving yeah. forward. Yeah, oh yeah. So uh, moving through them alphabetically, Abarth, which is really the performance sub-brand of Fiat. Fiat. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the go fast yeah. division, kind of like right. SVT or right. um, SRT at Ram or something right. like that. Right. So, yay, we like them. Oh yeah, uh, Alfa Romeo, beautiful vehicle. Definitely. Uh-huh. So yay, we like them. Chrysler, meh, yeah. My sister-in-law likes them. Well, they only have two vehicles right now. Right. Two. The Pacifica and the three hundred. Right. Yep. That's it. And uh, I don't remember you. Just mentioning an SUV, and everybody wants an SUV right now. Yeah. So how an automaker can be around without an SUV in their lineup, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> it's been years since I've taken French. Citroen. So I'm just going to do the American pronunciation of that one. Citroen. I won't even mm-hmm. try and butcher that one. Uh, so French brand that uh, has not been on U.S. soil for I don't even know. Have they been here? Predates me, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll do some Googling while you're going. Dodge is the next one. We're all very familiar with them. Hellcat, all the things. Boo. Uh, DS Automobiles, which I had to look them up because I had a misconception about who they were, but they've got some cars and SUVs. Fiat. uh, That looks like a Fiat sub-brand that I can't really make out the writing underneath it. Jeep. Yay, Jeep. Go, Jeep. Team Jeep. That's me. I'm, you're Googling, so you, no backdog from you. Sorry. Uh, let's see if I get this one right. I had to Google it just because I knew it was not as it seemed. Lancia, or as you would say. Lancia. Yeah. So, uh, Lancia, Maserati, <laughs> Opal, which is one of the brands that they actually bought of, bought off of GM a few years ago, mm-hmm. and them, meaning the PSA group, bought right, Opal, right. Uh, which was a weird move to me when it happened, because uh, Opal Vehicles and Vauxhall, the other brand that they purchased off of GM, uh, were basically being sold over here as reba- or <laughs> were being rebadged as Buicks and being sold over here, and so they pretty much like cut. Buick's legs out from under them, <laughs> and Buick's doing fine now. They've got some uh, right. SUVs that are doing quite well for them. The little itty bitty Encore compact SUV. Oh yeah. When they launched that, I don't think they could produce them fast enough. People just ate that thing up. Oh yeah. And that's their version of GMC or GMC. Chevy's got that little Trax right SUV. So it's Which, a little bitty guy. And, yeah. and for the price point, from one to the other, if you're going to spend and I don't know for sure where the tracks is. It's right. it's cheap. It's well right. under twenty grand, but the the Buick version of it isn't much over twenty, right. if at all. Right. I mean, so they're they're very competitive as far as a price point, and Buick is always going to have nice many more thinking. standard options. And yeah. yeah, for me though, I'm not spending that kind of money on a brand new teeny car. I'm spending that kind of money on a lightly loved, uh huh, bigger car. Oh, yeah. Cars of that size make no sense to me in my current state of life. We live in Texas. Everything's bigger. Those, no, right. No, 
I have a I have a uh, a thought on that later that we can dig into. So okay. Uh, to get back to your Citroen question, yes, Citroens have been sold in the U.S. I thought they had. The last one was let's see, uh, as we sold its last car in the U.S. Canada in 1974. Let's see, predated me. <laughs> I knew it. Like I knew that they had a history here, uh, but yeah. Uh, my experience with them is when I was over in Paris, I had to push one <laughs> out of uh, I, me and my friend Brandon, who was there with us, uh, friend of the show, actually. Uh, we were over there, and this Citroen broken down right next uh, to the Sin 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 River. I'm, I'm butchering all my. Fr- you you would think I didn't take <laughs> French at all in high school, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, I have an excuse. I, uh, I didn't, yeah, me, yeah. not so much. But, uh, yeah, this Citroen broke down right next to the river, was blocking all kinds of traffic. And so uh, these two Texas boys helped the Parisians out and helped push it out of the way of mm-hmm. traffic so that you know traffic could flow again. So that's my only experience with the brand. <laughs> not very positive. I'm sure they don't want <laughs> want to uh, have that be my only memory, uh, especially as Garage Talk grows. Yeah. The next two brands that I haven't touched on, there are three left, but the next two I haven't even mentioned, Peugeot and Ram. Ram is like the cash cow of uh, formerly FCA. So, yeah. And then Vauxhall, I already mentioned. So, is it what? three three or four years running now? Rams had the best selling or motor, yeah, the Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Yeah, that's three right. years straight that they've been Truck of the Year for Motor Trend. So that's and, an important portion of that. Yeah, and so I will say this while we're talking about Motor Trend and Truck of the Year, um, the three peat is quite an astounding feat. One because it's three years in a row mm-hmm. of winning the award but two there has to be new or substantial changes to the line to be even considered for the award each year right and they did that and so the first year was just the ram 1500 as we know it the everyday workhorse Mm -hmm. that you see especially here in texas everywhere you look because they're selling like hotcakes Next year was Ram Heavy Duty. It was extensively reworked. I won't say it was a ground-up redesign because it wasn't. They're using the same cab as before, but all new interior and everything. New frame, all the important bits. And then year three was your favorite and mine. (laughs) You're sarcastically mine for real, the TRX. (laughs) And, man, I can't wait to drive one of those things again. So, uh, yeah, very impressive three-peat for them. I don't expect that they'll get four in a row because, like I said, you have to have some major new innovation to be considered. So uh, all three of those were new grand innovations in their field. They were. They were, definitely. So that is the new Stellantis. And you and I know, because, you know, we're gearheads and we're plugged in, who belongs to who, but it gets really watered down to the average consumer who does not care about cars. And, you know, that's why we're here. That's what this episode is to focus on is, okay, so now you've got these 15 brands together under one house. So what, what does that mean to me? Well, like I said at the beginning, our good friends at Motor Trend have put together a very wonderful article. We'll link that in the show notes so that you can read along and have it for your reference. But, 
as I said, some brands aren't going to make it out of this alive. Right. And it may be shocking after you just listen to that list of what brands they have who could very possibly be the first to go out of this. And um, I don't know. It's just very interesting. So Mm -hmm. I alluded to Ram being the cash cow for them. And Ram's not going anywhere. Jeep is also doing exceptionally well for them as a brand because we're in an SUV-hungry world. Jeep makes SUVs and a truck. So they have nothing to worry about. Uh, Their sales are growing like crazy. They've got icons like the Wrangler. Uh, They're... They're doing very well. They're redesigning the Grand Cherokee as we speak. So the Grand Cherokee L is out as of this recording. I like it. I'm not in love with it. I would not purchase that one. I'm waiting for the smaller version, the Trailhawk version, the two-row, because I feel like the L is too big for what I would want it for, and it's kind of causing the styling to be just a little funky, frumpy to me. So uh, personal choice. Yeah. So those two brands aren't going anywhere and i would be shocked if they did anything with either of them other than give them more cash here do more things <laughs> keep it up but the uh c of fca is in quite a bit of trouble and that is the chrysler brand you and i alluded to earlier they have two vehicles in the portfolio a mm-hmm. minivan and a sedan sedans are dying albeit not necessarily in Formerly FCA, now Stellantis' portfolio, because the Dodge brand, which sells essentially the same vehicle, just with more power and better looks in the uh, Charger, right, is actually gaining market share. And that's mostly because they're giving more and more power to that vehicle, and all the other brands are backing out of sedans. So right. there's that, but it it's still maintaining sales uh, momentum. It's still doing well for them that they're investing in it. But I will say all three vehicles in Dodge's portfolio, you've got the Charger, just referenced. It shares platform with the 300. Mm-hmm. They are both old. They date back to oh, when man, yeah. Daimler and Chrysler were yeah, merged like together. Earlier, mid-2000s was right. the last time it's, that was an updated. Yeah, and it's essentially an old Mercedes. So it, it was a hand-me-down when they got it. Right. And It's a heck of a hand-me-down. It really is. (laughs) And they have definitely gotten their money's worth out of it because they just keep stretching it and stretching it. So I would imagine that everything they they make on it now is pure profit. Like that R&D budget's been paid for. They're they're good to go. Um, So that one's old. The Challenger, it's old. Uh, Same situation. It's a modified version of the same platform. And then the Durango, also extremely old platform, and it too, just like the uh, outgoing Grand Cherokee is a hand-me-down from Mercedes. It's a stretched version of the Grand Cherokee's platform, which was a hand-me-down of the Mercedes. At the time, it was the ML. Now, I believe it's the GL. I don't know. Mercedes' name got me all kinds of confused, (laughs) confused. But so you've got two brands here, Dodge and Chrysler, that all they have are old platforms and then a minivan. Right. Minivans are great. Chrysler introduced the minivan, well, Dodge actually, but they don't have a minivan anymore. Right. The Pacifica is it really for new innovative 
product for them that they came up with themselves. And then they've got these old models that have been around for a while that they threw the Hellcat motor at and people are snatching up like crazy. But how how far can you ride that momentum? How long does Hellcat all of the things keep you in the black? Right. How long can you keep people excited and not flood the used car market with old versions? Oh, you sure. Because they, they tweak them every year. So oh, yeah. One year and one year only, they offered the Challenger as the Demon. And that was, you know, a crazy, crazy option for, what was it, over 800? It was over, like 840 horsepower. Yeah, so, and, and to unlock all the horsepower, you had to put race fuel in it. And sub, it came with a crate with all kinds of goodies in it that for when you took it to the track. But, skinny tires yeah, and a jack and yeah. an impact wrench and... But it was basically a drag car, like a lit, legit drag car that you really, especially if you had one of those, you're either putting it in a garage for it to increase in value because it's super rare, or you're taking it to the drag strip and right. using it for what you bought it for. And now they've introduced the super stock wide body, whatever they're calling it now, which again, very impressive car. It's essentially just a slightly detuned demon. You're yeah. getting practically all the goodies outside of that chest <laughs> that they give you. Right. And it's an exciting vehicle, but again, like I feel like they're reaching the end of this as their sales momentum generator. And, you know, there's that joke going around social media of throwing a Hellcat engine in the Pacifica yeah. because it, it, it's not the only thing left. I would I, drive that, by the way. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, unless it was front-wheel drive. I, oh, yeah. I would have a tremendous issue with that. Right. But, no, it is uh, it it is a joke for those who have seen that yeah. and think that it's a real-life thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, Unfortunately, it's no. It's somebody's pipe dream that has blown <laughs> up on social. But, uh, it, it, yeah, I'm... I'm on. I know I'm unique when it comes to this portion of discussion because I'm bored of the Hellcat. Yeah. You're. Uh, it's definitely in the minority on that one. Yeah, I'm, and I have I have yet to drive one. I will admit I have not driven a Hellcat, so I I don't. But understand. the premise is yeah. really what it's it's like um, one trick pony. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like the LS platform, right? Well. The, the benefit of the LS platform is they've made multiple variants of mm -hmm. the same uh, engineered block, essentially, right. and, and made it better and made it faster and made it, you know, more efficient and all those things. And they're, they're everywhere. And that's fine. But, my goodness, how many different <laughs> – it, it just uh, – I don't know. I, Until I'm, they I'm slam one in a Pacifica – they haven't reached their full potential, Matt. <laughs> I know. You know somebody in the halls I of know. Stellantis has drawn up how to make it feasible, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be a rear engine because <laughs> there's no way you're getting it up front in that thing. Yeah. So you're giving up some back seats, and hence the entire point of a minivan. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just cool. I have to take the... Uh the unit body from the Durango and yeah. put the Pacifica nose on the front of it or something. So, yeah, uh, the brands we know here in America know the longest are Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep. Yep. So Ram and Jeep, safe, Dodge and Chrysler. It'll be really interesting to see 
you know, how they weather this storm, where they go after this. And, and I say all that, you know, a little tongue in cheek. I'm the GM fanboy. And when Pontiac was still with us, they were maybe more so in word than in deed. They were slated as the excitement division. I think that was their moniker within the halls of General Motors was Pontiac was the excitement division. Right. But they also sold like the Torrent SUV, which was boring. There was a GXP version. (laughs) True. And they sold the Sunfire, which was not exciting. But they did have the Firebird. They had the Solstice. Yeah. They had some fun cars. They had the GXP version of the Grand Prix, which well, and was interesting. Even the G6 and the G8, uh, the G, uh, G6 GXP and the G8 mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. GXP, um, both of those. I, the, and the well, GTO. Speaking can't, of, you know, can't. Right, yeah, and the, and the GTO. But the 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 G8 was a, a robbed uh, voxel platform. Right, right. Rebadged, and, and uh, yep. that one was nearly entirely just swapping badges <laughs> yeah in fact i've seen plenty uh so the last iteration of that vehicle that made it over was sold over here was the chevy ss i think they yeah. sold that through not that long ago maybe 2017 2018 something like that was the last year of that most of the ones i see over here have actually paid to swap out the front clip to where it's actually the Vauxhall badge in the, yeah. instead of the chevy badge so yeah i laugh at that but yes so I say all. I bring Pontiac into this because they were the excitement division, and they did not last. Granted, they did not have all these Hellcats. They did not have north of seven hundred and eight hundred horsepower in their vehicles. The world was a little bit different at that point in time as well. But yeah, but but even even in twenty sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, when they could have, you know, done something with that with the SS. They, they were going the, through bankruptcy at that point. Well, <laughs> GM uh, again, was trimming the fat. Right. Um uh, yeah. I think it could have been done. Yeah. I think I think GM is is too too far gone in the um excitement division program. So we'll get into General Motors next week. I've yeah. got a lot, as the resident GM fanboy, I've right. got a lot to say about what they're doing now and uh-huh. what their plans are because... I'm the, sure I'll rip it all Yes, apart. I'm <laughs> sure you will. But, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep this conversation okay. on right. Stellantis for now. All right. and, and basically, the, the point, the direction I'm heading was, if... Your sub-brand, your brand, Pontiac, or in this case, Dodge, is the excitement division. Mm -hmm. If you're building a niche brand like that with a very particular market, Uh you're not going to get mass adoption. Right. You're carving a very small section of the market out for yourself, and that's not sustainable as a company. Now, as long as that's all that they have to be with mm-hmm. Instalantis because I did list off they've got 15 different brands so if that's all Dodge is ever supposed to be is truly the crazy let's see how much horsepower we can stuff into it right brand and everyone at Stellantis is okay with that then they have staying power sure but I've worked in corporate long enough to know that everybody is trying to increase sales by whatever means necessary and if it means cranking out a boring now, mid-sized crossover or compact crossover, 
if that's what it takes to stay relevant in the market, Dodge is going to end up cranking out another journey or something boring to that effect right? before we know it. And in the age of electrification and everything crazy that you can do with electrification, you and I referenced it in a previous episode. I got the chance to talk with uh, one of the bigwigs over basically the performance division of FCA, Tim Kaniskis. Yeah. I was able to speak with Tim Kaniskis over at FCA, who's over essentially all the performance, everything. Uh, and I asked him point blank. I was like, with everything that's coming out electrified, that is electrified. What is, what is the plan for Dodge? You know, we see the game plan as Hellcat, all the things, right? but now with, electrification there's more you can do and be cleaner and have that you know squeaky clean approach when it comes to environmentalists and also have the enthusiast excitement because you have instant torque and acceleration and right. there's it's like pretty much the best of both worlds aside from range anxiety and the fact that we don't really have a great charging network in the US right. as, as of this moment i don't know what, i just what did he say he he said that basically he he very uh, carefully phrased his result and i will paraphrase okay. as best i can that they had no they are nowhere near where gm is and again we'll talk about gm next week but right. gm is 100% going all in on electric yeah and that is clearly their plan for the future i i just feel like FCA, former FCA mm-hmm. brands are decades behind in the electrification world. You think they're that far behind? I believe this merger is one of the things that they were looking for to bring these brands up. That's why I emphasize okay. so heavily the FCA brands were so far behind. Yeah. And decades is probably an exaggeration because Jeep's doing some pretty good things with their 4 by e right uh, line and we've got a group patiently maybe impatiently waiting yeah. for the wrangler 4 by e to come out a bunch of people have already placed orders there's conversation it's fun watching the conversation on facebook oh yeah every single day so shout out to chris and the group over there wrangler 4 by e fans on facebook it's a very fun group to be a part of but when it comes to full-on 100 percent electrified vehicles yes they are way behind the game because I mean, I, Ford's I, got the Mach-E that is in journalists' hands and garages right. and driveways right now. Right. And and will be on the road and for sale this summer, I would right. imagine. Uh, well, uh, so Alex on Autos has hit, will have his within three weeks. He posted it today. Oh, he wow. will have his that he ordered within three weeks. He says it was made in November and it's been chilling out somewhere, but he will have it in three weeks. So awesome. Shout out to Alex on Autos over on YouTube. Uh, he will have his very soon. And the, funny enough, the model that Ford sent him was exactly how he spec'd his. So he's kind of already had his for a little bit of time, but he yeah. had to give it back. So Ford's got that going on and tons of buzz and excitement behind that. Uh, Chevy, you'll sneer at this, but Chevy had the Volt, which I know was a plug-in hybrid. And then they made the Bolt, that ugly little bump of a right. crossover thing that was hundred percent electric and now they're teasing again we'll get more into this next week with general motors they're teasing the second generation of the bolt 
and it seems like five million other vehicles right that are right on the heels of the new bolt so general motors has got a pipeline already ready to hit dealers within the next one two three four five and six years they're going to have plenty to choose from in all of their brands what does fca have as far as full electrification nothing Nothing. full yet yeah nothing on the docket nothing rumored like nothing nothing so if you want to go full ev and you were shopping the fca brands before they came became stellantis you were out of luck and yeah. you, you had to go the hybrid route, which, again, they've got some great hybrids out there. The Pacific Hybrid's doing great things. The 4xE lineup, like I said, amazing. I really would love to get my hands on a Wrangler 4xE and test its capabilities and see what it can do on the road as well as, you know, off-road and right. crazy situations where that instant torque comes uh, becomes huge. But, yeah... So I, I just see electrification more than anything, one of the biggest reasons why this merger happened. Yeah. And it was to save FCA. Because if you remember, uh, Sergio Marchon, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, may he rest in peace. The former uh, CEO of FCA was like shopping FCA around. He tried to merge with General Motors. Mary Barra, C- uh, CEO, said, no, no, thanks. We're good. Which... Again, GM fanboy, I was kind of okay with. Plus, you know, I liked the fact that the big three were separate. Right. Bringing Chrysler, Dodge, and Ram all under the General Motors umbrella. I don't know. Just <laughs> my brand bias didn't. Well, there, there would have been a lot of upset people with <laughs> yes. that, I'm sure. Yes. Um, but. Although there's a lot of LS-powered Jeep Wranglers there, out there. there are. <laughs> the, the synergies that could have come from that would have been amazing, but. They said no, so uh, Sergio went shopping elsewhere, and the French took him up on it. And, of course, er, most people know, I don't know how much of our audience knows, uh, he passed away before completing this merger, obviously. And so the FCA uh, CEO, Mike Manley, will now oversee the U.S. operations of Stellantis. So he's still a prominent figure and will be moving forward for what we see over here in the States, but, uh, yeah. So for reference sake, uh, I Googled when it was the first, um, Tesla Roadster was produced or what have you. And it was 2008, 2009, right in there, which is 12 years ago now. Um, and then the first model three wasn't until the middle of 2017 when it rolled off the assembly line. So that's already, Eight years, nine years later, uh, when they've when they've really gone into full production mode with an all electric vehicle that for the masses for the masses yeah. and and really really it's not for the masses because it's outrageously expensive but right um so so there's there's proof of of uh, concept with the Roadster and then full production approximately eight years later. Right now, FCA, the only thing they really have is the 4xE, right. which is a hybrid. So that's not full electric. We could be looking at a decade before we see anything full electric from... I, I would say yes, 
if this merger didn't happen, because PSA Group has a lot of know-how and a lot of research that has gone into full electric. So well, and, and that, the- that is one of the reasons why uh, Sergio sought out a, a group that could help them in electrification. He saw the writing on the wall. He knew that what his company had, the assets that they had, the direction they were going was not sustainable into the new future of the right, automotive world. Right. Um, using Tesla as an example, they were a startup. Basically, well, and they was, did not have the infrastructure that these major automakers do, and that is the advantage, definitely, that, that these guys have. That so. was going to be the flip side of what I was, what I was getting at is that they've already got platforms that essentially they could come up with a propulsion mm-hmm. and a battery mm-hmm. and put that in a platform that already exists and have a full electric vehicle, right? With a minimal amount of uh, effort and so, engineering, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as much as the petrol head in me, so to speak, would I love internal combustion engines. I'll just put it that way. And as much as I love the sound of a V8 and just the rumble and the thrill that it gives to drive a V8 engine, you and I both know the future is electric. And that's just... That scares the heck out of me. <laughs> I mean, it really does. And a- as a technician, like, it's a totally different world well, when it comes to, you know... So there's already um, systems in place with Peterbilt trucks, Kenworth trucks, um, the, the Packard division of, uh, of heavy-duty trucks in the U.S. They have um, software built into their trucks already that will email the dealership when a check engine light comes <laughs> on uh, you know the next closest right. one or whatever right. and say hey this truck's had a check engine light come on it can schedule the repair or whatever and make sure that the parts are there ahead of time all these things even before the truck rolls onto the dealership lot they can have an idea of what's going on with the truck yeah. and especially with common issues and problems and things like that really it becomes less about diagnosing an issue and more about swapping parts yep and honestly the more simple vehicles become as they go all electric most of the issues as we have seen with tesla can be corrected with software updates so you don't like this about your car okay well software update whatever we'll fix it well but we're i mean i understand that makes it mechanically simpler but but technologically it's much more advanced and much more complex right. because now you've got more wiring you've right. got more hardware for the software to run through i mean there's it's to me it's a double-edged sword right yes there are a lot of niceties that come with full electric but what are you missing out on with the simplistic elements of an internal combustion engine that argument is already starting to lose water because, like, you know, you and I both love Top Gear and the Grand Tour. Jeremy Clarkson, very old school in nature, and he wants to fix everything with a hammer, just hit it harder. That has not been the case with vehicles for quite some time just because of the complexity that we've already introduced in them. So last two weeks, you and I spoke with Bryant Blakemore, and he was talking about, you know, his journey to uh, the Baja 
and desert racing and all this. And, you know, he was talking about some very old school methods of fixing yeah. some things oh, yeah. uh, that broke on the truck. And, and we are stepping further and further away from that being the case. No longer will, what was it, tons of uh, duct tape. Uh, was there a ratchet strap was in there? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember, Brian. Some, uh, how some all sea clamps <laughs> and, and vice grips and duct tape yeah, and all kinds yeah. of stuff to so, hold that truck together. And, and they did not tell him anything other than drive careful. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't listened to the last two episodes of our podcast, go check those out. Our uh, time talking with Bryant was truly amazing. And we are walking further and further away from that being the case of how guys like you and me can, you know, tinker on vehicles. And now it's becoming to where you need an engineering, uh, electrical engineering degree or a programming, uh, not degree, but background. Right. In order to do anything crazy or fun on vehicles, it's really going to be an interesting decade in these 2020s. Yeah. It got off to a (laughs) one heck of a start, but automotively speaking, it's going to be interesting to see where we are sitting uh, 2030 and, yeah. and beyond because like we will touch on next week with our discussion on General Motors, the landscape, it isn't changing. It has changed and it, it will be vastly different yeah. in the very near future. Oh, yeah. Um, the future is here. So I wonder, I wonder if there would be a way that um, we could make some sort of modular vehicle where like you build it yourself or something to that effect where it's a very simplistic vehicle people or companies have done it in the past um it's a it's a build it yourself vehicle and Mm. you you select the options that you want and they ship it to you in a crate and you put it together i'd love that i did be fantastic but i wonder if there's a way to do that to make it as simple as possible you know the goal is crank windows if the windows even open you know Air conditioning is a luxury. Um, Not air. It'll get... <laughs> it's a necessity, <laughs> man. Come on. Uh, you know, it, it, it'll get 30 miles to the gallon. It'll, you know, do zero to 60 in under 10 seconds. And, you know, four-wheel drive may be an option or something like that. But that's it. Like, that's all you get. It's, an appliance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. So, I'll do a quick run-through of some of the other brands that may be not so familiar yeah. to... Uh, the American consumer, and work our way through the rest of this Motor Trend article. But Peugeot, French brand, uh, before the creation of Stellantis, there were plans to sell a group from the P or a brand from the PSA group in the U.S. by 2026. Yeah, this I'm sure accelerates that, and Peugeot was going to be the brand. That, well, and I'm, I I found another article um, actually from Jalopnik from a couple of years ago in January. Uh, of uh, 18 and uh and you look through here and it's talking about just that the uh the move for peugeot citroen to come back to the u.s Mm -hmm. and it's a bunch of compact cars and compact suvs i mean it's it's it, it is exactly what the u.s market looks like right now with the brands that we have right um so i i'm i'm curious to see how that ends up so you and I, before we hit the record button, we're kind of joking about what Fiat has left here in the States. Yeah. So that was a brand that was here for a long time, left, 
came back recently, has struggled. They even had a, a performance-minded car in the Roadster, which was basically a Miata with a new face. Yeah. No joke. Like, it was a rebadged Miata, and even that couldn't save it. In fact, the Barth version was actually better than any Miata you could buy because it had more power, and it still had all the fun characteristics of the Miata. So, very interesting story to this brand that just struggled to catch on over here and the only vehicle that they still sell god bless its soul it's so <laughs> ugly is the 500x little crossover bubble thing right like, it's not pretty and so n- now talking about peugeot here's another brand that was here last sold in the states in 91 mm-hmm. and they were trying to get it here by 2026. I, I think it'll be sooner now with this merger and the dealer network that they have access to. But uh, I th- I think they are more situated now for one of their European brands to make it over here. Yeah, than oh, definitely. When they brought Fiat. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm. I would completely agree with you. It's uh, and there's actually a lot of uh, so the title of this Jalopnik article is uh. You know, Peugeot, Citroen is coming back to the U.S. So what do they make that we actually want? <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's a bunch of hot hatch yep. Um, yep. And, and compact SUV styled uh, vehicles. So and all the fans of Top Gear and Grand Tour already are somewhat familiar with those brands because they make the occasional appearance, especially, like you said, when they're talking hot hatches. Yep. And so... That that is something for U.S. consumers, especially college age guys, to look forward to because oh, yeah. uh, that's pretty much what they could be bringing to us in the very near future. So, uh, back to the Motor Trend article. This was the part I found most interesting, and it was their take on the merger of Daimler and Chrysler, which was supposed to be a merger of equals. In 1998, a deal worth $36 billion, billion with a B, Chrysler was acquired by Daimler-Benz of Germany, and the so-called alliance or merger of equals was named Daimler-Chrysler. From the very get-go, it, it, it just didn't work. It, it was never quite a fit. Uh, we mentioned in our interview with Bryant, he had a Mercedes diesel-powered Jeep Grand Cherokee that, yeah. <laughs> like, snuck out, not many people knew about. Um, but basically all that we as gearheads, motorheads, uh, have to show for it is the current Dodge and Chrysler lineups yeah. and all the rebadged hand-me-downs that they got. And uh, then in 2007... Daimler called it quits and sold Chrysler off to an equity group and just said, we're done here. So poor Chrysler has just, they've been around, they've been handed off from one to another. They were in big trouble uh, back in the 70s and the aforementioned Dodge Grand Caravan or Caravan First is what saved them, that government bailout and uh, Lee Iacocca (laughs) were like the saving graces for Chrysler, but this this is a brand that has truly just struggled since the 70s, I would say. Yeah. And they've never just had a bright 
shining shining moment in the sun. It, it, it has been a struggle. Different brands have had great times. Like I said, Ram and Jeep are just loving life right now. Dodge has got a great portfolio right now. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that changes and how that moves forward. So what we want to know from you, our listeners, is do you care who owns your favorite brand at all? Does Stellantis mean anything to you? Is this exciting that we'll be able to see new brands on U.S. shores? Are there people here just clamoring for a Peugeot or a Citroen? I don't know. (laughs) I know that they make interesting products. As somebody with a French last name who took three years of (laughs) French in high school, I'm kind of excited to see a French brand here, but nothing more than that, really. Right, right. So we want to hear from you. So we just ask you to sound off on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at GT Garage Talk. You can hit us up at gtgaragetalk.com or send us an email, gtgaragetalk at gmail.com. Is Mopar really Mopar anymore? Uh, it's all the diehard Mopar yes, guys. It, it's become a thing. I don't know quite what to call it, but yeah, it should be interesting the yep. next few years to see what happens. Yep. So come back next week where we talk all things General Motors. And until next time, bye. Bye.